This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We have two rather lengthy shows tonight, so let's get right to the action with a presentation of the production, Can We Forget, from the Screen Guild Theater. This program was first heard in 1939. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the golf companies in presenting the third in a new series of programs. Reviews, musical comedies, and dramatic shows, all the varied entertainment forms of Hollywood. So welcome all of you to the motion picture star's own program, The Golf Screen Guild Show. With Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Basil Rathbone, Louise Beaver, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third Screen Guild show. Hollywood's own program, written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Each week, we present a different type show with a different cast of stars. Last week, a musical comedy. Next week, a review starring Mary Boland, Marlena Dietrich, Frank Morgan, and Cliff Nazaro. Tonight, it's a drama, Can We Forget, directed by Frank Capra and written by Mary McCall, Jr., under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley. You're invited to a gay party at an exclusive hotel on Park Avenue, where the most photographed, the most discussed, the most envied debutante of the season, Hilda Rutherford, played by Betty Davis, is having her coming out party. Among her many admirers in the stag line is a young man named Alan Barker, played by Robert Montgomery. Dancing with Hill at the moment is Paul Ferguson, enacted by Basil Rathbun. Lights. Music. Curtain. If the stag line doesn't discover this alcove for a minute, perhaps I'll be allowed a few steps with you. Oh, it's a lovely party, Hilda. Do you think so, really, Paul? Well, don't you? Oh, it's wonderful to me. I love the whole silly business. Being rushed, being stared at. Makes up for all the black times of childhood. Like the years I had to wear bands on my teeth. Oh, you never did. <laughs> I did so. And I lived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Paul, I didn't think you'd come tonight. Whatever put that into your head? Oh, I was afraid you were above Deb parties. Aren't you always merging companies and sitting on board? Oh, sounds like a very uncomfortable position. Perhaps that's why I was afraid you wouldn't ask me. Not ask you? Paul. Well, a man of 35 must appear to you to be on the very brink of his dotage. May I cut in, please? Oh, uh, I'll allow it only if I may have the supper dance with you, Hilda. It's a bargain. 
Don't forget. I won't. Oh, but you will, though. I will what? Forget whatever it is. You'll only remember me. I don't remember meeting you. You haven't. We dance well, don't we? Well, if I've never met you, I couldn't have asked you to my party. That's right. You weren't asked. No, I weren't asked. You crashed my party. Yes, but I did it so neatly. More like an incision than a crash. You know, uh, you're not as pretty as your pictures. Mister, whatever your name is, but I... But you're uh... much livelier. Makes you shine, kind of. Get your coat, Hilda. Get my coat? What on earth are you talking about? About getting your coat. We can't talk here. This place is full of people. Yes, it's full of people. Full of my guests, my invited guests. And if you think I'm going to leave here with you, you're out of your mind. Of course not. He's unique. <laughs> ah! Does she always do that? Yeah, mostly. I call her the Blue Arrow. I bought her on time, my freshman year in college, for $23. <laughs> What's that, a radio? Certainly it's a radio. But no brakes. No. No, I drag one foot on the hills. <laughs> Hilda, tell me what you like. What do you mean, tell me? Now, don't start that again. I want to know what you like. Food, books, anything. Well, well, I like cream cheese and fur bedroom slippers, the smell of heliotrope, horses, Flagstaff boys, Helen Hayes. What on earth am I doing this for? Because I asked you to. Now, I'll tell you what I like. I like the west front of the Parthenon. Oh, by the way, I'm an architect. Just out of the shell, but <laughs> boy, am I talented. Oh. You know, you must try to get over that inferiority complex. It doesn't do to be too much. Don't interrupt. And I like English shoes and eggs Benedict and uh, kissing a girl in the cold and the Mohawk Valley in May and... Oh, Hilda, you're a swell girl. Will you marry me, Hilda? What's your name? Alan Baker. What's that got to do with it? Alan Baker. I think you're the freshest, rudest, most conceited puppy I have ever met. And I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man in the world. Whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. This carriage will never take the place of your automobile, darling. Does the horse also park? Well, he's an English horse. <laughs> I say, old fellow, uh, cease walking. <laughs> no. Desist. Relax. <laughs> halt. Why don't you just say, whoa? <laughs> <laughs> you make everything so simple, dear. <laughs> you happy, Hilda? Oh, yes, Alan. I'm so happy I could purr. Well, go ahead. Purr? It's a mighty poor purr. <laughs> How about a little music? You're crazy. Not you'd like that funny little phonograph all over the music. Sure, you know the old saying. She shall have music wherever she goes. You were playing that song when you first spoke to me, darling. Uh-huh. That's why I like it. Hilda, if I say something, don't laugh at me, will you? Oh, no, I'll never laugh at you when you're serious. Well, all that, that dizzy business the night we met, dragging you out of your party, that was because I was scared. Scared? Sure. The 
If I'd had someone introduce me, I'd have been just another guy. I had to shock you, make you laugh, make you mad. Because I had to have you. But, darling, you'd never seen me before. No, no, I crashed your party to see the girl who was in all the papers. And there I found you, darling. Hilda, no matter how gay you are, or sad, or anything, you make me feel you're only using part of it. There's so much more to you. I knew that night that I couldn't let anyone but me... Oh, Hilda, always love me. Oh, yes. Yes, I'll always love you, Alan. Even when we're both old, my heart will still jump when I see you. You said that night I had a kind of... Well, that I saw it shown. That's only when I'm with you. That's only because of you. Now, these are the place plates, Camille. Yes, um... When you take off the soup plates, you leave the place plates. Just leave them, sir? Yes, that's right. Oh. Then you exchange them one by one for the hot dinner plates. Miss Baker, why don't you all just have a lap supper? <laughs> well, Camille, because Mr. Baker is bringing home a client. Yes, but a lap supper don't take so much swapping. <laughs> only hired out to you for cleaning, Miss Baker, for waiting, you should have had my cousin Octavia. <laughs> you can do it, Camille, if you'd only just try. Now, once again, the place plate. Oh, dear, see who it is. Yes, sir. Only if it's the ice cream, it'll be all too much by the time. Yes, sir. Mrs. Baker? Well, I don't think she want to see nobody. We got a company dinner on uh, hand. Yes, yes, but I'm the company. Uh, may I come in? Who is it, Camille? Hello, Hilda. Paul? Yes. Paul Ferguson. Are you? You're not Alan's client, Mr. Ferguson. Yes, why not? Let me look at you. Oh, you look lovely. No, lovelier. You're very happy, aren't you? Oh, yes, we're very happy. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. Paul, um, Paul, tell me something. Do you honestly want Alan to do your house? Because if it's to help him because of me, well, Alan and I couldn't accept that. Oh, don't be silly. I like his work enormously. He has taste and originality, and his plans are practical. Oh, he is a grand architect. Well, then? Then it's all right. Paul, why didn't you come to our wedding? Uh, I, uh, I was away. I couldn't get back in time. In here, darling. Paul's here. Oh, Paul? Paul who? Oh, Hello, Mr. Ferguson. Hello. Alan, you idiot. Why didn't you tell me it was Paul Ferguson? I've known him forever. Oh, my dear child, a struggling architect doesn't call his clients by their first names. He was Mr. Ferguson to me. In fact, he was Mr. Ferguson. God bless him to me. <laughs> oh, Miss Baker. Yes, Camille. Miss Baker, I'm afraid you're all going to have to do without them place plates. <laughs> oh, Camille. Well... Well, I told you if it was waiting you wanted, you should have had my cousin Octavia. <laughs> now, nurse. Yes, Mr. Baker, you may see her now. Hilda. Hilda. Hilda's a girl. Did you want a boy, Alan? You'd never tell me which. No, no, I... I wanted a girl, so there'd be two of you. Was it very bad? No. Have you seen her, Alan? You bet I have. 
Is she all right? Alan, I don't like to know. Is she perfect? Perfectly beautiful. Wait till you see for yourself. You want to see for yourself? Could I? Yes. The nurse is bringing her. Here she is. Uh, I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll take her, nurse. Keep your hand under her head. Sure. Nurse? Yes, Mrs. Baker? Could we have her by ourselves? Just for a minute. Of course. I'll wait outside. Oh, Ellen. She is beautiful. Gee, I had no idea they were born with fingernails. <laughs> Ellen. Well, I mean, not like that. Is it, is it okay to touch her? Yes. Well, you feel that skin, though. Say, is she doing that? Of course. Well, isn't that pretty advanced? I mean, most kids don't cry right off like that, do they? Oh, darling. I'm sorry to blubber like this. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Well, what do you think I'm doing? you come right out and admit you take three sugars. I don't. Two in and one on the side. But you always put the side one in. <laughs> you mind your own business. <laughs> I gotta go, sweet. I'll just look in and see Carol. Is that tooth still bothering her? It's through. No kidding. Go look at it. Oh, but don't put your finger in her mouth. She'll snap at you. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss? Thank you. Now, don't forget the new dress. Oh, not a chance. What color? Any color. Uh, so long as it's red. <laughs> Bye, darling. Goodbye, you darling. Camille? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Miss Baker. Camille, I want to plan a nice dinner tonight because uh, tomorrow night Mr. Baker's taking me out. <laughs> it sure is a treat to watch Mr. Baker eat. I likes a hearty man. My husband was the picky kind. <laughs> well, I'll make out a list and call you, Camille. Yes, yeah, sir. Soup, soup. Beautiful soup, so rich and green. Da -da. Did you call me, Miss Baker? Oh, no, Camille, that was singing. <laughs> you certainly feel good this morning. Camille, I feel so good that if I felt any better, I'd bust. Carol has a tooth, Mr. Baker has a new house to do, tomorrow's our second wedding anniversary, and I'm going downtown to buy a new dress. Oh, Camille, make one of your lemon pies tonight, will you? <laughs> yes, sir. I'll get it, Camille. Hello. Yes. Yes, this is Mrs. Baker. I'm sorry you have to speak very slowly. Oh, but you see, it can't be. You see, he just left. So it can't be. Oh. Oh, I'll be right there. Ah! Miss Baker. Oh, he just left. Camille, you know, he only just left. They said he was crossing the subway. But he was here only a minute ago. Camille. That man said my husband is dead! Alan! You have just heard Act One of Can We Forget with Betty Davis, Robert Montgomery, Bethel Rathbun, and Louise Beavers. Now, before we raise the curtain on Act Two, we'll hear a few words from Johnny Conti. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I wish that I could personally introduce to each one of you 
the good golf dealer in your neighborhood who helps make this program possible. But since I can't, why, I hope you'll take the opportunity of meeting him yourself the next time you're near his service station. You'll find that your golf dealer is a mighty good neighbor, an independent merchant who conducts his business to give you and your car the best in service as well as the best in automotive products. So next time your car needs gasoline or motor oil, visit your good golf dealer. Your motoring needs will receive prompt, courteous attention at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc. Now the curtain is about to rise on the second act of our play, Can We Forget? Hilda Baker has been left alone with her baby daughter, Carol, after the sudden death of her husband, Alan. Hilda's old friend, Paul Ferguson, and Camille the maid are the only ones left to help her forget the tragedy. Lights. Music. Curtain. Miss Baker, Mr. Ferguson is here to see you. Tell him to go away. Hilda. That's all right, Camille. Yes, sir. Paul, please go away. You've been sending me away for six months. Paul, you've been so wonderful. But I just want to be alone, please. Hilda, believe me. I know how you loved Alan. I love him now. Just because he's dead doesn't change anything. Why can't I be dead, too? Don't say that. It's true. But you have Carol to think of. I've tried, Paul. How can I think when I keep hearing it over and over? I wake in the night hearing it. Hearing what, Hilda? That voice on the phone. That man telling me, Mrs. Baker, prepare yourself for a shock. Prepare myself. Stop, Hilda. Yes, I know. For Carol's sake, I must stop remembering. But, Paul, I hear it. I hear it over and over and over and over. Hilda! Now you're to dry your eyes and come out for a drive with me. Oh, Paul. I can't. You must. Do you understand? You're going to have dinner with Mr. Ferguson again? How did you guess, Camille? He's been doing that pretty regular for three near years now, ever since Mr. Yes, Camille. One of these days, I expect he's going to ask you to marry him. Yes. Yes, I suppose he will. You suppose he will? Well, excuse me for speaking right out, Miss Baker, but you ought to hope he will. Yes, I guess you're right. I ought to hope he will. I do, Camille. There he is. Let him in, will you? Yes, um, When he say he'll be here at 7 o'clock, he means two minutes after. Hello, Camille. Good evening, Mr. Ferguson. Hello, Paul. Oh, I like that blue dress. I only hope these will match. Flowers again? Oh, Paul, you should. <laughs> Why not? They grow only for people like you. That's a very pretty speech, Mr. Ferguson. My, oh, my. White orchids. Hi, Paul, I haven't had white orchids since... Uh, not since my debut. I'm glad you like them, dear. Where's Carol? In bed. Of course, she wanted to stay up and see you. Ah, <laughs> good for Carol. Come on, dear. This is an important occasion tonight. Mario has a very special, special dinner waiting for us. Wish me luck, Camille. I sure does. I sure does, Mr. Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
They say that the honeymoon's over and married life begins with your first breakfast in your own house. In such a beautiful house. Alan enjoyed so much planning it for you. Toast, Mrs. Ferguson? Yes, thank you. Just wait till you see that terrace in the spring. There are bulbs scattered all through the grass. I know. I remember Alan saying they'd bloom next year. With those long windows open, it'll be like eating our breakfast out of doors. Yes. Alan planned that too. Listen. What? I thought I heard someone. Someone whistling. No, I don't hear anything. No. I guess it was my imagination. Or someone passing on the road. That hedge makes us very private. Alan always said that the planting was part of the house. Hilda. What? What did you say, Paul? What? I... I didn't say anything, dear. Oh, I, I thought... That white birch by the library bay was on the plan the first time he showed it to me. Because you liked white birches? Yes, because I... Darling. Darling, what's the matter? N- nothing. Nothing, Paul. I, um... Uh... Sugar? Oh, don't you remember me? I'm Paul, the man who hates sugar in his coffee. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Whatever am I thinking of? You were thinking of me. Two lumps in, one on the side. But you put the side one in. Hilda, Hilda, what is it? Aren't you feeling well? Yes, yes, I'm all right, Paul. Remember that last breakfast? We had such fun being in love. Yes, such fun. Darling, darling, there is something wrong. No, I, uh... Good morning, Mother. Oh, good morning, darling. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Missy. That's a funny name. Oh, well, you're a funny girl. She just cut her first tooth. We were so proud of her, remember? Hilda. Remember Hilda in the hospital? Her first cry. And I said... Alan. I mean... I mean, Paul, excuse me. Hilda. I... Hilda. Hilda, where are you going? Hilda. Oh. Is he taking my place? With Carol? With you? No. No, Alan. Nobody could take your place. She's part of us. She grew from our love. Hilda! Hilda, what is it? What's troubling you? Please. Please, just leave me alone, Paul. No. If there's anything wrong, I want to know what it is. Perhaps we shouldn't have come to this house. Perhaps it's tied up with the past. Things that you must forget. Can you forget, darling? Our years. We'll go away. No, I can't. We'll go away for a while, Hilda. And, And when we come back, I'll get you a new house. I feel at home here, Paul. No, no. We'll have a new house for a new life. Suppose, um... Well, suppose in the meantime we run down to Bermuda. Riding in a funny carriage, swimming in the moonlight? No. No, Paul, not Bermuda. Let's... Let's go to Sun Valley. You see, uh, see, I've never been there. Well, whatever you like, dearest. Of course, we'll have to be back by Christmas. Oh, yes. Yes, by Christmas. I wouldn't miss the holidays with our little girl. Our little girl, Hilda. Yes. Our little girl. Our little girl! to make a new marriage. I shouldn't have, Alan. 
I can't be married to anyone but you. You're coming to me, aren't you, darling? Yes, sir. I'm coming to you. I'll have to leave Carol. Oh, that's wrong, isn't it? I can't help it. I'll drink this now. It won't hurt very much. It'll be a quick off of me. Maybe I'll be afraid. But not in my heart. Because I want to be with you, my darling. I must be with you. Hello, Mother. Carol. Did you get up early to see your presents, too? Oh, Carol, darling, you were... You mustn't be down here. Go back to bed. Please, Carol. But, Mother, it's Christmas. Can I open Paul's present? Please, Mother. Well, all right, darling. But I'd better light fire. It's so cold here. There's my present. What does it say on it? To Carol from Santa Claus and Paul. Paul did give my, my letter to Santa Claus. Oh, Paul's the most wonderful daddy in the world. Carol, Paul isn't your real father. I know. You told me. But Paul's my father now. Oh, but your real father. How you would have loved to. Please open Paul's present, Mother. All right. There it is. Don't get too close to the fire, Carol. But it's just what I asked for in my letter. Look, Mother. You see, Ellen? She doesn't remember. No. She doesn't remember. Then it's all right for me to leave her, isn't it? She's happy here with Paul. Hilda, the tree, the fire. Carol, Hilda. Hilda, darling. You feeling better? Paul, where is she? Is she badly burned? She'll be all right. Oh, let me go to her. It's my fault. I let the fire and the tree fell. Lie, lie still, lie still. The doctor dressed her leg. She didn't even cry. Just lie back, darling. I'll get you some water. Hilda. Yes, Alan? You called him, you know. You were talking to me. But in that danger, you called Paul. Why? Why, yes, I did call Paul. And that's right, Hilda. Because he's alive. You kept me here. But I don't belong. I'm in the past. No. Yes, Hilda. I haven't been here except in your mind. You must forget, as Carol has forgotten. I can't. You must. Hilda, let's say all our words very quickly and for the last time. For the last time? Remember that first night when I cut in? May I cut in, please? I don't remember meeting you. You're not as pretty as your pictures, but you're livelier. It makes you shine, kind of. What's that, a radio? Certainly a radio. But no brakes? I drag one foot on the hills. Oh, Hilda, you're a swell girl. Will you marry me, Hilda? Even when we're both old, my heart will still jump when I see you. Oh, Ellen, she is beautiful. Gee, I had no idea they were born with fingernails. Kiss. Thank you. Now, don't forget the new dress. Not a chance. What color? Any color, so long as it's red. Goodbye, darling. Hilda. I said goodbye, darling. I can't say it. Say it, Hilda. Quickly. Say it. Say it. Goodbye, darling. Say it. Goodbye, darling. Helen. Goodbye. You darling.
And now, not as your master of ceremonies, but rather as one of the millions who heard this play tonight, I want to say that I shall never forget the performance just given by Betty Davis, Bob Montgomery, Basil Rathbun, and Louise Beavers. And a special bow to the writer, Mary McCall, Jr., and the director, Frank Capra. It has indeed been a privilege to be associated with them on this, the Screen Guild's own program. Ladies and gentlemen, we feel it worthy of note that the money paid by the Gulf Oil Companies to the stars and feature players on this program is turned over to a special fund to build a home for the care of aged and indigent people from all branches of the motion picture industry. <clears throat> the famous stars who are our guests tonight donated their services. Every single dollar they would ordinarily receive for themselves is being turned over to this fund. The Gulf Oil Companies, your neighborhood good Gulf dealers, and all of us here in the studio are proud to take part in such a worthwhile project. We sincerely hope you enjoy this new kind of radio entertainment made possible by the motion picture industry, the Gulf Oil Company. This is George Murphy saying thank you and good night. Next week, same time, same station, the good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the golf companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show. A review with a lot of fun with Mary Boland, Marlena Dietrich, Frank Morgan, and Cliff Rizzaro, written by Ken England and directed by W.S. Van Dyke. We are grateful to Warner Brothers for Betty Davis, soon to be seen in Dark Victory, to MGM for George Murphy, and for Robert Montgomery, who has just completed Fast and Loose. John Conti speaking. I'll follow my secret heart is from Conversation Peace. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Eve Arden as Our Miss Brooks. Time now for Our Miss Brooks. And the episode first aired in 1949 entitled Clay City Teacher. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Our Miss Brooks teaches English at Madison High School. And like most other teachers, she tries to stay on the best of terms with her principal, Mr. Osgood Conklin. This isn't always easy. You see, Mr. Conklin has high blood pressure, and it's wise to take him with a grain of salt. Of course, it's wiser not to take him at all. <laughs> anyway, on Thursday, he gave me a little honorary assignment to take care of on my own time, which consisted of a report he had to submit to the school board. I was to rephrase, punctuate, and proofread the 25 pages by morning. And sure enough, I got it all done by morning. <laughs> In fact, when Mrs. Davis, my landlady, awakened me, I had been sleeping like a baby for over 20 minutes. Don't you fall off the set, dear. What's the trouble? Nightmare? No, daymare. I was up all night with some extra work Mr. Conklin gave me. Oh. Well, I guess you can use the extra money that goes with it. Money? What money? Surely there must be some compensation for working away from the school. Oh, there is, Mrs. Davis. The satisfaction of a job well done. The thrill of helping my colleagues in their time of need. And the gratification that comes with the knowledge that I've assisted my superior officer on the battlefield of life. <laughs> and you know something else, Mrs. Davis. What, Connie? The next time I work at home, it'll cost him a fin. <laughs> well, remember this, dear. Money won't buy back your health and good looks once they've gone. If I were you, I'd flatly refuse to do any extra work at all. Oh, 
but I can't do that. Mr. Conklin's my principal. That doesn't give him the license to make a beast of burden out of you. Why, for two cents, I'd advise you to quit. And if I had two cents, I'd take your advice. <laughs> no, Mrs. Davis, even a beast of burden has to earn oat money. Well, hurry with your shower, Connie. I've got a nice breakfast all planned for you. Oh, I won't have time for breakfast today, Mrs. Davis. Walter Denton's taking me to school in his car so I can get this report to Mr. Conklin. What's the matter with your car, Connie? I had a little trouble with the steering wheel. What kind of trouble? It came off. <laughs> nice of you to give me this lift today, Walter. And I'd like to compliment you on your promptness, too. You were right on time. Oh, punctuality's a mania with me, Miss Brooks. Besides, if I wasn't on time, you'd let some other kid pick you up. Like I always say, the early bird catches the worm. Well, like I always say to the other worms, let's get some men and go fishing. <laughs> Confidentially, Miss Brooks, you look like you could use a little help. You seem bushed. Frankly, I think you're work-happy, Miss Brooks. Work-happy? Yeah. What did you do last night after you got home from school? I worked on a report for Mr. Conklin. Aha! I knew it. Mr. Conklin shouldn't give you extra things to do. Why don't you tell him about it, Walter? Well, I'm not kidding, Miss Brooks. If you let him, Mr. Conklin will make a beast of burden out of you. You gotta put your foot down. I may put all four of them down. <laughs> I've been reading in the papers that there's quite a shortage of good teachers... You don't have to tow-cow to anybody. I don't have to what, Walter? Tow-cow. It's Chinese slang for polishing the apple. <laughs> well, Walter, I don't tow-cow to Mr. Conklin. It's just that he's my principal. And Excuse I... me, Miss Brooks, but he's only your principal at school. After hours, he's just... Uh, before I quote what I'm going to quote, I'd like to make a prior statement. Proceed. Well... Any remark I make now is merely something I overheard in my daily contact with other members of the student body and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of the repeating eavesdropper. Well, repeat away, eavesdropper. I've heard sundry other pupils refer to Mr. Conklin as... Like I said, Miss Brooks, this isn't necessarily my opinion of him. You've made that very clear, Walter. Yeah, good. Well, some of the kids have spoken of Mr. Conklin as... After all, I go with his daughter, Harriet, you know. Yes, I know. It might not be the right thing to do to talk about my father-in-law. Walter, you're not married yet. Well, that's right, too. Well, I've heard him called it. Gee, I wouldn't want Harriet to know about this. My lips are sealed, Walter. Now go on. Okay. Now, Mr. Conklin, in the eyes of some of the undergraduates at this high school, is nothing but a... Gosh, if I was Harriet's father and he was going to marry Harriet, I wouldn't want him to go repeating things about me. Then again, he'd probably be the first one to do it. Sure he would. So I'll tell. Tell, tell. <laughs> a kid in the cafeteria called Mr. Conklin a big inflated bag of ego. There, I said it. Give that boy a new Nash and a pair of pajamas to drive it in. <laughs> You won't ever mention my mentioning this, will you, Miss Brooks? Oh, of course not, Walter. I wouldn't even want anyone to hear me thinking it. Mr. Conklin may be rather a disciplinarian, but he does have quite a job on his hands, too. Running a high school these days is difficult work. Now, just between you and me, Walter... Yes? How would you go about deflating a big bag of ego? Well, the first thing I'd do is not let him think I was afraid of my job. I'd walk in with whatever work I'd done for him last night, 
throw it on his desk and say, there you are, that's the last work I do outside of my regular school duties. Take it or leave it, Buster. <laughs> well, that sounds like sterling advice, Walter, but there's just one more thing I'd like to ask you. What's that, Miss Brooks? If Buster decides to leave it... Yeah? Where's the nearest local of the Beasts of Burden Union? <laughs> Now then, Harriet, I want the furniture in this office to be absolutely glistening. But, Daddy, it's as neat as a pin now. Harriet Conklin, when your father and principal asks you to polish something, grab a dust rag, girl. Why, Daddy? Because Mr. Jason Brill, the principal of Clay City High School, is paying me a visit. You know how sarcastic and critical he can be. But why is he coming to Madison? Well, I'm not positive, Harriet, but I think the old pirate is here to raid one of my teachers. It's a deplorable practice. But he stole a Spanish teacher right from under the nose of Colton's principal. But, Daddy, didn't you get our new math teacher, Mr. Fane, away from Clay City? Uh, that, Harriet, is just a rumor. <laughs> Mr. Fane came to Madison of his own free will. You mean he joined our faculty before you gave him your own study at home to sleep in and promised him your car whenever he wanted it and told him about having all his meals with us free of charge and two movies a week thrown in? <clears throat> Consider the subject closed. Now, if that Brill thinks he can sneak in here like a thief in the night... Yeah, I beg rob... your pardon. What if... if... Uh, just call me Kettle. I'm the Kettle that was being called black by that pot over there. <laughs> now, see here, Brill. I won't... Oh, excuse me. That will be all, Harriet. Yes, Daddy. Goodbye, Mr. Brill. Yeah, goodbye, Harriet. Poor girl. What do you mean, poor girl? If you've come here to get my goat, Jason oh, Brill, I'm... Oh, on the contrary, Osgood. It's not a goat I'm after. It's an English teacher I've got my eye on. An English teacher? This is war, Osgood. <laughs> you cross my frontier first. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about Mr. Fane, a good, if flighty, math teacher. Okay, you've got Fane. But I'm going to get the best English teacher at Madison, Miss Constance Brooks. Miss Brooks? What made you pick her out? I'm attracted to her syntax. <laughs> Very interesting, Brill, but an altogether impossible task. Why should Miss Brooks want to work for any other principal when she's used to the benevolent, tender, warm-hearted guidance of a person like myself? And that's one of the things I'm depending on. <laughs> Another one is a secret weapon, Osgood. You'll find out all about it when it's too late. Secret weapon? What secret weapon? It's a secret, Osgood. <laughs> but believe me, it's going to work. Jason, you're being absolutely childish. There isn't the remotest possibility of Miss Brooks making any such ridiculous change as you suggest. There isn't, Dad. No, there isn't. Hey, look, Osgood, I don't want to be an old I told you so, but that's just what they said right before Jack Benny switched to CBS. <laughs> Come in. There you are, Mr. Conklin. That's the last work I do outside of my regular duties. Miss Brooks. That's it. Take it or leave it, Buster. I mean, sir. They've gotten to her. Um, come here, Miss Brooks. Sit down by my desk, if you please. What? Oh, but I've got a class soon, Mr. Uh, Conklin. can wait. You've been working too hard lately, Miss Brooks. I have? That is sure I have. I don't like it, you hear? I don't like it one bit. You don't? We here at Madison don't want our teachers to overwork. After all, you're an educator. 
A person of intellect and perception, not a... a... Beast of burden. Exactly. <laughs> Look about you, Miss Brooks. The walls of this office. That picture hanging there of Madison's first principal. Yoda Critch. <laughs> he certainly was. There's more to a school than the people in it. There's tradition. A tradition of loyalty and industry. Good fellowship and cooperation. But mostly, loyalty. Why, when I think of our school song, it brings a lump to my throat. <laughs> oh, Madison, thou Madison, I love the air, thou, uh, thou... Madison? Uh, thou Madison. Miss <laughs> Brooks, come with me to the window. These hallowed walls, this lovely ivy-covered exterior... Do you know the significance of this venerable and beloved ivy, Miss Brooks? Why, no, I don't, Mr. Conklin. Here, I'll raise the window. Here, let me help you. <laughs> it's caught in that scummy ivy. <laughs> Miss Brooks. Look at this beautiful campus. As far as the eye can see, green grass. Now, there's one thing I want you to do before you do anything else. No. What? No, I won't do it. Won't do what? I absolutely refuse to mow that lawn. <laughs> Arden will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. The makers of Palm Olive Soap are giving away $100,000 in prizes. First prize, $49,000, plus over 4,900 other cash prizes in the big 49 Gold Rush Contest. Hundreds will strike it rich in this exciting Gold Rush Contest. One of them may be you. It's easy to enter. Just finish this sentence in 25 additional words or less. I like palm olive soap because... That's all. Just 25 words or less to finish the sentence, I like palm olive soap because... Then mail your entry right away along with a palm olive soap wrapper. Try for your share of that $100,000 in prizes right now. Your chance of winning $49,000 is as good as anyone's. Get entry blank with complete rules from your dealer or write your completed sentence on plain paper. Include your name and address and dealer's name and address. Mail with one palm olive soap wrapper for each entry to Gold Rush Contest, Box 49, New York 8, New York. You better write that down. Gold Rush Contest, Box 49, New York 8, New York. Enter as often as you like, including one wrapper with each entry. But hurry, the contest closes a week from next Saturday. Mail your entry right away. Get palm olive soap right away to help win a lovelier complexion and try for your share of the $100,000 in cash prizes. Well, Mr. Conklin not only canceled all the extracurricular work for me, but as we stood by the window looking across the campus, he actually bent over backwards to be courteous and sweet. Of course, he didn't bend over quite far enough. But it was a surprise to see him acting so human. <laughs> Although I couldn't understand the reason for this unaccustomed solicitude, I didn't let it spoil my appetite. When lunch period arrived, I was in the school cafeteria 
with our bashful biologist, Mr. Philip Boynton. Here we are. Sit right down, Miss Brooks. Oh, thanks. Have you got everything? Modesty forbids a direct answer. <laughs> oh, you mean on my tray. <laughs> yes, I'm all set, Mr. Boynton. Oh, good. How do you like what they're serving in the cafeteria these days, Miss Brooks? Well, it'll never replace food, but it's improving. <laughs> it isn't what you eat in a place that's important anyway. It's with whom. What's with whom? With whom you eat with whom. <laughs> or as I once heard another English teacher say, what's with you? <laughs> Oh, you're teasing me again, Miss Brooks, but I'm getting kind of used to it. I catch on much faster now than I used to, don't you think? Oh, yes, you're really gone, Mr. Boynton. <laughs> Not till I finish my meatballs. Uh, uh, that's, that's another one of those colloquial expressions, isn't it? Gone. Uh, I wonder what the derivation actually is. How a simple expression like the past tense of go could assume the connotation with which it's currently associated seems totally incomprehensible at first glance. Eat your meatballs, Mr. Boynton, before they get warm again. Oh, excuse me, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton. Well, it's Harriet Conklin. Hello, Harriet. Daddy wants to see you in his office right away, Mr. Boynton, if you don't mind. And if he does mind... Oh, please, Miss Brooks. Mr. Conklin wouldn't summon me during my lunch period unless it was something important. I think it is. Daddy sounded very urgent. Maybe some of that ivy crawled into his office. <laughs> you haven't forgotten our date this afternoon, Mr. Boynton. Oh, no. no. I'll call for you after school and take you to the zoo. See you at three, Miss Brooks. All right, Mr. Boynton. <sighs> Mr. Boynton isn't always as romantic as you'd like him to be, is he, Miss Brooks? No, Harriet. Not always. Or ever, for that matter. <laughs> well, maybe it's just as well. You know how Daddy feels about faculty members fraternizing. Not that I think Daddy's right. Sometimes Daddy can be pretty harsh. But then, if Daddy wasn't Daddy, what would he be? Mammy. <laughs> I don't know, Harriet. I'm going up to the steam table and get some lunch, Miss Brooks. Can I bring you anything? No, thanks. Run along, Harriet. Okay, Miss Brooks. <sighs> Poor Miss Brooks. She chases after Mr. Boynton just like Walter Denton runs after me. Oh, I beg your pardon? Why, it's Mr. Brown. Oh, hello, Harriet. Uh, this is Mr. Hastings. Harvey, this is Osgood Conklin's daughter, Harriet. How do you do, my dear? It's always a pleasure to meet a member of Madison's undergraduate body, especially such a charming and lovely one as yourself. Why, thank you, Mr. Hastings. Golly! <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hastings and I were just talking, Harriet. We'll excuse you if you want to get to the steam table. Huh? Oh, yes, Mr. Brill. Will I see you again, Mr. Hastings? No, I would consider that a very fortuitous circumstance indeed, Harriet. You what? Mm. Golly, I'll hurry with my train and come back in a minute. <laughs> You'd better not walk backwards, Harriet, or you'll... She did. <laughs> Hastings is marvelous. You've got something that makes women drop whatever they're doing and concentrate on you. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Brill. I just try to be pleasant to everyone. Uh-huh. Well, you keep it up. We'll have Connie Brooks in our English department in no time. Yeah, now, look, this is a good chance for you to meet her. She's seated at that table over by the wall, and she's alone. Yeah, don't tell her too much right now, but make an appointment for tea. Then we'll really go to work on her. Well, if you say so, Mr. Brill, but it does seem like a kind of dirty trick with teachers so hard to get nowadays. I think... Secret weapons don't think. They act. Now, there's Miss Brooks Hastings. Sicker. <laughs> yes, sir. And when I bring her back and place her at your feet, I expect a whole case of strong hearts. <laughs> 
Oh, I beg your pardon, Miss Brooks, but may I introduce myself? What? Yes, I suppose. Well. <laughs> I'm Constance Brooks. Yes, I know. My name is Hastings, Harvey Hastings. Are these chairs occupied? Just the one I'm sitting in. <laughs> oh, I mean, help yourself, please. Oh, thank you. I'm not going to be in town very long, Miss Brooks, and I'll have to move rapidly, so may I take you home after school? That's a little too rapidly. <laughs> Just who are you, Mr. Hastings? Well, I'm a, I'm a sort of a friend of a friend of Mr. Conklin's. He has? <laughs> I dropped over today with Mr. Brill. Oh, the principal of Clay City High. What are you doing here, slumming? <laughs> oh, that must be the famous Brooks Wit I've heard so much about. <laughs> you can stop now, I have. Seriously, Miss Brooks, I think that your undergraduate body is wonderful. Mr. Hastings. The kids, the kids. Oh, the kids. <laughs> Great bunch. Your faculty's nice, too. Yes, I still have them all. Oh, yes. <laughs> the teachers. Miss Brooks, there's, there's one thing I, I just can't understand. How does a youthful, intelligent, lovely-looking person like yourself happen to be lunching alone? I beg your pardon? Didn't you hear what I said, Miss Brooks? You lost me after youthful. <laughs> I, I, I just can't figure it out. All by yourself in this big cafeteria. Oh, thing like this could never happen at Clay City. Oh, thank you, Mr. Hastings. Miss Brooks, uh, I'm writing a book on the teaching of English in our high schools, and I'd certainly like to include an interview with Madison's outstanding authority on the subject. Oh, an interview? Mm. Well, I did have a date this afternoon, but... Shall we say tea for two at four? Well, I guess so, but there's something I can't help thinking. Oh, what's that, Miss Brooks? Tea for two at four will mean zoo for one at three. <laughs> and that's why I've summoned you to my office, Mr. Boynton. Jason Brill and his, his secret weapon must be stopped. You've got to make Miss Brooks stay on at Madison. But why me, Mr. Conklin? You, you know how timid I am. Well, you've got to get over it, boy. You like Miss Brooks, don't you? Oh, yes, sir. But what about your stand on fraternization? I've reversed it as of now. <laughs> Look, Boynton, all you have to do is act the way you really feel. Or better yet, the way you've seen other people act. <laughs> what do you mean, Mr. Mr. Conklin? Well, you've seen leading men on the screen, haven't you? Humphrey Bogart in Knock on Any Door, Errol Flynn in Don Juan. No, sir, I haven't seen those. Oh, well, what's the last movie you did see? The last movie I saw was called, uh, I believe it was called Arrowsmith. <laughs> I don't go to movies much, Mr. Conklin. You see, I'm more of a radio fan. I listen to those mystery programs a lot. Mystery programs, eh? Well, that's just as good. According to my wife and daughter, those private detective fellows are as attractive as any of the movie stars. Now, why don't you act like one of them when Miss Brooks comes around? Me? Act like a private eye? Certainly. From what I hear, most of them merely sit behind a desk until some beautiful girl comes in. Then they open the drawer, take a big drink, and then they say, Come on, babe, we're going on a caper. <laughs> Whatever that is. Well, I won't take no for an answer, Boynton. You've got to do it. Well, Mr. Conklin... It's you... for Madison, boy. Tell me that you'll try, Boynton. That's all I ask. <laughs> all right, Mr. Conklin. I'll try. Uh, 
Oh, it's me, Mr. Boynton. I'm glad I caught you before you left school for the day. I won't be able to go to the zoo with you this afternoon. Mr. Boynton, did you hear what I said? What are you doing at that desk? Park the frame, baby. Right there. Now, what's the caper, sweetheart? The caper? Now, look, I know the opposition's trying to put the heist on certain persons, but we've got a few angles, too. Angles? They can't get away with it, see? Now, we've got them covered like a bubble dancer in Boston, see? And that comes right from Mr. Big, see? Thank you, Edward G. Robinson. You, you've got to stay here, Miss Brooks. You can't leave Madison. I don't know what their secret weapon is, but... Just a minute. Who are we now, Buck Rogers? No, no, no. It's me, Mr. Boynton. Uh, that was just distilled water I drank. Distilled water? I don't know what Mr. Brill's planning, but don't... Isn't you... perhaps I'd better explain it myself. You'll excuse us, I know. The door was open. I believe you've met Mr. Hastings, Miss Brooks. Oh, yes, I have. Uh, this is Mr. Boynton, Mr. Hastings. How do you do? Hello. Uh, we've got to get back to Clay City a little earlier than I'd planned, Miss Brooks, so I'm afraid your interview will have to be postponed. However, I'm sure that we can take up just where we left off and we are all together in Clay City, huh? Clay City? Yes. As you know, a good teacher is always in demand, Miss Brooks. Oh, As, uh, Gabriel, you teacher snatcher. What has he told you, Miss Brooks? Don't listen to him. Don't listen to anybody. Well, that isn't hard. Nobody's saying anything. Here's <laughs> all this anyway. Well, Mr. Hastings here is head of the English department at Clay City, Miss Brown. Aha! Then he's your secret weapon, huh? Well, if you want to put it that way, actually, I'm a very simple man. Yes, you are, in a jet-propelled sort of way. <laughs> now, see here, Bill. I won't have... You can't do it. I'll have you... Oh, stop puffing, Osgood. You've come to a station. <laughs> What do you say, Miss Brooks? Would you like to transfer to Clay City? Transfer? Well, come to think of it, I have been overworking lately. I might consider a transfer at that. Oh, you can't, Miss Brooks. Oh, why can't she? Have you got some extra chores she can do without pay? How about it, Mr. Conklin? Any more extra work? No, Miss Brooks, none at all. It's very pleasant at Clay City, Miss Brooks. Say you'll come. Say you won't. Which is it, Miss Brooks? Well, it's quite a problem. But now I'd like to ask a question, Mr. Brill. If I were a biology teacher, would you want me to come to Clay City? A biology teacher? Well, frankly, no. There's no opening for a biology teacher. That's all I wanted to know. Good day, gentlemen. I'm remaining at Madison. Well, we tried. Come on, Hastings. Goodbye, Miss Brooks. Ah, good for you, Miss Brooks. <clears throat> Old Madison... The Madison. As old as Thomas Addison. <laughs> oh, hallowed halls. Oh, basketball. How short the day. How short the pay. When we've gray hair at Madison, we'll still be there at Madison. Hello, Clay City. <laughs> Eve Arden, as our Miss Brooks, returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. 
tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a Luster Cream shampoo. Only Luster Cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster Cream. Not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen. Soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanents. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooke. Well, Mr. Conklin finally left us all alone in Mr. Boynton's laboratory. Oh, gosh, Miss Brooks, you sure had me worried. Were you really afraid I'd leave, Mr. Boynton? Oh, sure. I couldn't even talk. I was so nervous. You didn't get much of a chance. But now that we're alone, Mr. Boynton, is there anything else you want to say to me? Yes, Miss Brooks, there is. What? If we don't hurry, we'll be late for the zoo. (laughs) Where are you going, Miss Brooks? What are you doing at my desk? Park the frame, baby. You're in for the caper of your life. <laughs> Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Pomerly Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler. Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Gerald Moore, and Frank Nelson. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with The Whistler, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.